We started a new series last week in Ephesians called Walking in the Way of Love. And uh, the Apostle Paul, in the, in the section we looked at last week, the very beginning of the letter, he kind of lays out the good news and, and what it means to be a follower of Christ. He tells the Ephesian church that. And as soon as he does that, the next thing immediately is he launches into prayer for them. And when we think of walking in the way of love, this morning I want us to focus on uh, how loving it is to pray for other people. Uh, we're going to look at the text in the second part of Ephesians 1 in a minute, but I wanted to just make a couple comments on prayer first. Um, for, for me, and, and I think some of you will identify with this, sometimes when there's a situation uh, happening that needs prayer, whether like maybe you have a friend or family member, somebody you know is sick, or, or for me recently, uh, it would have been, uh, we talked a little bit and we prayed here together for uh, people that were in Texas during Hurricane Harvey and then, of course, Hurricane, I don't remember how the, the progression of hurricanes that was hitting, but some of you guys know I, I work in uh, with Vineyard Missions in Latin America, so while hurricanes are happening, Mexico is getting hammered with earthquakes, and I, I'm just watching this, and the tension, the hard part for me, I'm praying for these folks, but I want to do something. You feel like a little bit helpless and like all I can do is pray. I, I literally, when, when Hurricane Harvey first hit, I'm talking to my friend Raymond who pastors in Houston, and he's telling me, he's on the phone with me, and literally, he says, I just walked into a house of some people in our church who had water up to the first floor ceiling, seven feet of water in their house. And I, I just, I can't even, I've never seen anything like that. I, I wanted to go. I told Donna, I think I told Kevin, I, I, I was ready to literally just buy a ticket and get on a plane and go to Houston. I just felt like I got to do something. And Donna talked me down off the ledge. But, uh, you know, that feeling inside of you of I'm just praying, but I feel like I need to do something. It's almost helpless. Sometimes I think in those situations, God will speak and God will put it on our hearts actually to engage and to be involved. And we'll see that in Ephesians and we'll, we know that to be true. And some of you have experienced those times when God speaks and you know, I have to go, I have to do something. But what I want to say is do not let that in any way diminish or devalue the power of prayer. I know it's sometimes emotionally we feel helpless or like we're not doing enough, but, but don't let that take away the power that we have in praying for one another. It really is uh, a powerful thing to be able to pray for other people. And on that note, uh, you know, uh, social media can be, it's a two-edged sword, right? There's a lot of uh, things that happen over social media, not so good. Anybody? Look at that. I don't know if you watched the news the last few days. I am enjoying the Twitter wars. Uh, maybe I'm not. But in any case, bad things happen over social media, but it can also be used for good things too, right? That's, that's the point. Um, I, I've been blessed lately. Vineyard started a couple different kind of prayer things over social media. One is uh, Vineyard Church Prayer. You can't see that very well, but what once a week they post on Instagram and Facebook uh, seven randomly selected churches from across the country, and one for each day you just pray for a church, a sister church somewhere else in the country. Cool thing. The other one is Vineyard Family Prayer, and what you do there is you pick a word and then pray for another person. And so like when I saw that go up, I thought, okay, my word for today is shalom, and I'm going to pray for shalom, and I'm not going to tell you who I prayed for, but I prayed for one of you and just prayed for you. So it's just a way, it's just a 
a thing, a way to, to remind us to pray. We have a, a few different avenues of prayer here in our church as well. Uh, most of you know Sunday mornings virtually every week. I suppose once in a while it doesn't happen, but 99 out of 100 services at the end of the service, we have an opportunity for whoever wants to, to get prayer. And that's sort of like the front line of defense. That's sort of you know, first place you can go to get prayer. From there, obviously, we encourage people to be engaged and involved in a small group. And in your small group, there's opportunity for prayer, regularly speaking. And then beyond that, there are also other opportunities for prayer. We have something here called soaking prayer, which is a little more intense. And you have to actually kind of sign up for that. But we have a team of people who will get together and pray with you every week for four weeks. And it's been incredibly freeing and and, and powerful in people's lives. And then I wanted to mention also, we have a our own little prayer chain. Some of you may not know about this. Prayerportlandvineyard.org, that's just an email address. If you have a prayer request for anything, you can send it to that email address. And we have a group of people that that will go out to, and they will pray for you. And it's, it's a cool thing. And also, I would mention too, if you would like to be uh, on the list that receives that prayer and pray for people and you're not, just send an email to that address and just say, add me. And I'll add your name to the list. And when those prayer requests go out, uh, we, we'll pray for you. Or we'll, you'll get that and, and you can pray for those as well. It's, it's pretty cool. It's just a way to really be loving towards one another. All right, with that, I want to go ahead and uh, let's, let's pray again real quickly. And then we'll look at the next a few verses in chapter 1 in Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Father, would you just uh, enlighten the eyes of our hearts this morning and help us to receive what you have for us regarding prayer in your word. Amen. All right. Ephesians 1, this is picking up in verse 15, where we left off last week through the end of the chapter. Uh, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Okay, he starts off by saying, for this reason, which points back to the first paragraph. Uh, Essentially, if you were here last week, you remember the introduction to the letter. Paul tells them that they're chosen and that they're called and that God has not only uh, revealed his purpose and his will to them, but he's actually called them into uh, fulfilling that will and being a part of the carrying out of it in the world today. And so now what he's doing is, is he begins praying and asking for those things to be realized in his life. So he says, hey, here's, here's what God's doing. Here's your part in it. And now he, I'm going to pray for you that that will happen and that you'll be able to live and walk in that reality. There's a difference between... Um, we talked last week a little bit about sort of 
the, the, there's a spiritual plane and a, and a natural plane kind of happening simultaneously, and there's a difference between a spiritual reality and a natural reality. And what I mean by that is this. So in life, we receive information, right? So whether you, uh, you know, read a book, take a class, watch a YouTube video, however you receive information, uh, you get that information, and then you, you think about it, and you practice, and you work it out. I do this because it seems like uh, everybody's fixing, they learn how to fix cars now by watching YouTube. I don't know, it's a pretty interesting thing. But uh, I still can't fix a car. I could watch YouTube all day. It never happened. Um, but you, you assimilate that information into your life and begin to, 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 to process it and put it into place. But on a spiritual level, there's, all, there's something else that happens where... God begins to, to cause that information to transcend not your, your mind and into your heart and your spirit and your life, and, and you, can, you walk it out in, in, a, in a whole different capacity. Uh, again, years and years ago when I was a, a youth pastor, we used to do a winter retreat every year. Uh, there were three churches in our area that the, the youth groups would get together, and we would go up to a, a retreat center, a little camp up at, at Big Bear Lake up in Southern California and take the kids up and we'd have a weekend retreat. It's a lot of fun. And on one of those retreats, there was a young man in my youth group named Jamie Gillentine. Some of you know Jamie. And uh, he was probably, you know, I'm going to say 15-ish at the time. And he's really just a quality kid, just a great, great young man. But I, I really believe God had his hand on Jamie's life and was calling him to be a pastor. And I walked over to him during a prayer time and I said, Jamie, God is calling you uh, to really move beyond where some of your friends are and, and really has a unique and specific thing for your life that he's going to do. And he's calling you into ministry. And, and I prayed this exact prayer. I remember uh, this was like 1980, you know, I don't know, four or five. And I, I prayed this prayer for Jamie, that God would give him a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that he would know him better, that he would lighten the eyes of his heart, that he would know the hope that he'd been called to. And... Um, So uh, today, Jamie is one of the uh, associate pastors at Anaheim Vineyard and has really pursued God his whole life uh, through, and if you know him and you know his story, through some tremendous, tremendous hardship, God, uh, Jamie has continued to pursue God and not let anything uh, stop him. And uh, that was something that's more than just information and processing information. That really is a spiritual reality that happens on a different level. Paul says here, I've heard of your faith and love. And I think it's worth mentioning that he did not know the people he was praying for. And and I say that for this reason, because I think on an emotional level, it's easier to pray for people you know, right? Isn't it? When you know someone, you have a connection with them. There's there's a, there's an emotional response, and there's a there's a, there's you know something that compels you. You care about this person, and you pray for them, and because you you want to see God's hand on their life. But I want to say this, and again, just another reminder about prayer. There is no more power in prayer when you know someone than when you don't. There's no more power in praying for your best friend or someone in your family than there is for someone that lives on the other side of the world that you've never met before. The reality of prayer is the same in both situations. Regardless of what you feel emotionally uh, in one situation versus another, the result of God hearing your 
your cry and responding to that is the same. And I think that's something that is important for us to remember in situations like we've experienced lately, when you feel helpless and you see things happening in different parts of the world. Have you ever had this? I don't know. Have you ever, like you see stuff on the news all the time or you hear things all the time. Have you ever heard something negative like that and you felt something above and beyond what you normally feel? Just kind of like, hey, in that given moment, that specific thing. I think that's God calling you to pray for that. I really do. I I really do. I think that's once in a while, the Spirit of God will speak to your heart and just say, hey, I want you to pray for this situation. And I just encourage you to respond to those those leadings in your heart. I want to look at the structure of this prayer this morning for a minute. Um, there, There are two things off the top there are, so what, there's two sort of generalized requests that Paul makes, and then three specific things beneath those. And so that's sort of the structure there. But first, he, he starts by saying, I have not stopped giving thanks for you marrying your prayers, and I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you. So let me just say this. I, I think we understand not every word is literal in Scripture. Paul does not mean he's praying for them 24 hours a day, every minute of every day. He doesn't mean that. What he does mean is this, that he's continually praying for them. I don't know Paul's rhythm or his pattern. I don't know if that's every day or throughout the day or whenever he thinks of them, but it's an ongoing request that he's making on behalf of these people. And I just want to encourage you again in that, that prayer isn't a one-and-done thing, that we need to press in. And we need to pray. And sometimes we need to pray over and over and over again. And, and I want to say this. I want to encourage those of you who are on the receiving end of prayer as well, too. That sometimes you get prayer and nothing happens, so you get prayer again, and you don't get the response you're looking for, and you get prayer again, and you feel like things aren't changing, and so you give up. And I would encourage you not to give up, to continue to press in and get prayer. I, I want to say this. I don't believe anybody that is praying for you, and certainly I'm going to say nobody here, whatever question you coming for prayer again and again and again. No one's going to say, well, what the heck? What are you doing? You were here last week. No, we, I, I'm encouraged when someone comes back for prayer again. So just press in. Don't give up. Keep praying. Prayer's not one and done. Uh, and then he prays this, this, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they may know him better. That's capital S, Holy Spirit, of wisdom and revelation. If you remember, those of you that were here during our series in the book of James, James tells us that there's two kinds of wisdom. There's earthly wisdom that's sort of natural and on, on this level, and then there's wisdom that comes from God. And that wisdom comes from the Spirit. And so what, what Paul is asking here is that spiritual wisdom to imp- impact their lives, that they would have wisdom from God and also revelation, which is just something that God's revealing to them, that they might know him better. He's praying that God would reveal himself and make himself known and do things in their heart and in their life that they might have a a deeper level of relationship with Jesus. And again, this is not uh, informational. He's not asking that they would know more about him. They probably know a lot about Jesus. A lot, most of us know a lot about Jesus. What he's praying is that they would actually know him relationally, that their relationship would be deepened. And, and, I, and again, I just want to say, wherever you are in, in your spiritual journey, you can still know him better. I mean, I've been at this thing for, I don't even want to think about it, almost 50 years, and uh, 
I still know that I can know him better. So that's what Paul is asking there. He continues, not only the spirit of wisdom and revelation, but that God would enlighten the eyes of their hearts. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? I just love that. He would enlighten the eyes of their hearts. You know, your heart is, scripturally speaking, but I think most of us recognize this just in life in general. The heart is your, the center of who you are. It's the core of your being. It's that part of you where emotion and feeling and, and things come from. And that's what he's asking, is that uh, in that heart, they would begin to understand the benefit uh, of what God has done in their lives. He's told them that they're called and that they're chosen and that they're, they're in partnership with God and the fulfillment of his purpose in the world. And now he's praying that they would really understand that, that that would penetrate them and that that would be something that causes them to, to move forward in their life and, and it would change and alter the way that they live and the way that they walk and the way that they respond to people. And anybody who has experienced that is aware of how that works. It changes your perspective. You look at people differently. You begin to um, change the way you respond in situations and how you think. Uh, there's three specific realities beneath that that he asks God to do in their lives. The first is that they would know the hope that they've been called to. You know, the, the call of God on Christmas, this is not, he's not speaking here of a specific calling. I think there are specific callings on our lives to different things, whether you're called to be a, a worship leader or whatever, uh, you know, uh, you might be called to be something else. Maybe God's called you to be a doctor or a nurse or whatever. But what he's talking about here is a more generalized calling of the people of God to be uh, messengers of hope. The calling on all of us to bring hope into the world around us every day. Um, we have the ability to make a positive and radical effect on the world around us. Did you know that? We really do. Uh, Hope is an interesting concept because hope is not something that's happening right now. Hope is expectation of something in the future. It's looking forward in time to something that will happen that's good, but a belief in your heart, a conviction in your heart that that thing will happen. So it's not happening yet, but it will happen. You're convinced it will happen, and so you're moving forward based on that reality, that I know this good thing is going to happen in my life and through my life into the hearts and lives of others, and so that's the direction I'm going in my life. And it changes everything. It changes how you deal with difficulties and hardship in your own life, first of all. When you go through difficult times, if you don't have hope, you respond to those things in one way. If you have hope, you'll respond to them in a completely different way. It causes you to become much more optimistic in your outlook on everything. Oftentimes, hope can also spur you onto action. When you have hope in your heart, uh, you know you know the feeling. When you're hopeless, and some of you have been there, you don't want to do anything. You want to stay in bed all day and pull the covers over your head, suck your thumb, and eat bonbons. But when you have hope, some of you are, are nodding way too much to the affirmative to that. Uh, when you have hope, no, you want to get up and go out and do something. It really does. It spurs you on to action. And, and I'm just going to say this, regardless of your political persuasion or anything else, the world today needs hope. Amen? Yeah. People we encounter every day need hope. 
there's, there, the world is a mess. Okay? Can I just, things are jacked up right now. And uh, sometimes it's kind of scary. Okay? It can be kind of scary. And we're called to be messengers of hope and to speak a reality of a better future in, into that mess. That's what we're called to do. Um, you know, uh, thinking about, again, lately for me, uh, especially because of my involvement in Latin America, watching what's happening has been challenging with the you know earthquakes in Mexico and, and hurricane after hurricane after hurricane. We have churches in Puerto Rico, and uh, they're cut off from the world. I saw this morning that there's helicopters flying over, and no one, no one in the entire nation has been able to talk to anybody for a couple days because the power in the whole place is out. I mean, it's overwhelming to think about that. But in the midst of all of that, <clears throat> there have been these glimmers of hope that's been exciting. I don't know about you, but watching some of the stories of the kind of everyday heroes that have been out, you know, taking care of people. That one picture has kind of become iconic now. I've seen it in 27 different places. That guy walking through the water up to his waist, carrying that lady out, you know, and stuff like that. People holding hands, you know, to pull the gal out of her car. But the, <laughs> the one that I loved, this is the one that got to me. Have you guys seen this? Do you see that? The chainsaw nun? I, I just... I. I thought it was a joke. I saw this. I go, that's a joke. And then I realized it's not a joke. This is Sister Margaret Ann. And she's literally in Miami, and she's out there with her chainsaw. The road that leads to the school where she works was blocked, and people couldn't get in or out. So Sister Margaret Ann busts out her chainsaw, and she's out there cutting the tree out of the way. And I'm just going, yeah, you go, girl. Uh, the, the Miami-Dade police come by, and they see her, and they go, Sister, you don't have to do that. Just leave that. We'll, we'll do that. And she goes, no, 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 no. This is what she said. The chainsaws were in a closet. They don't belong there. They need to be used. This is what we do. do this is what we teach our students. Do what you can do to help. That gave me hope. I'm like, yeah. You know, Sister Margaret Ann is out there with her chainsaw. I have hope in the world. You know, I just think there's a reality that stuff happens, and yet we can respond to that in a different way. Um, I don't know where I'm at. Uh, the second thing that he prays for is the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's a difficult phrase, frankly, to translate from the Greek to the English because it could mean one or two things, but I want to tell you this. Uh, what it means is this. It's in reference to God's inheritance in us, not our inheritance in Him, okay? And that is not to say that we don't have an inheritance in Him. We do. It's just to say that that's not what this verse is referring to, okay? So hear me on that. What this verse is talking about, this is another statement of God's value for you. God has an inheritance, and inheritance is like a, you know, something that you'll have in the future, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a valuable thing, a wealthy thing. What, what God has, what is valuable to God, what is precious to God, what is important to God, you are. That's what. We are the inheritance that God has. And again, Paul is praying that they'll know that, that they'll see that. Um, that they'll know the value they have in the eyes and heart of God. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Has anybody ever 
had a moment in life where you kind of feel that, where you, you know that uh, you're valued by God, and it just, it just changes you? And, and look, let, let's, let's be honest about it here. There's a progression of things that happen in our lives, and one of them is this. It's easier or it's, it's, it's more realistic to value others when you know that you're valued yourself, is it not? Is it not easier? Do you not find it uh, much more realistic to value other people when you know that you're valued? Uh, I, I really think that there's a change that happens that allows us to become more loving and to walk in the way of love when we understand that we are loved. I think that's an empower, a powerful thing in our lives as we seek to walk out God's purpose. Um, and then the, the, the last thing he prays for is his incomparably great power for us who believe. There is a... There's an old vineyard song from the 1980s uh, called More Love, More Power. Anybody remember that one? A few of you do. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it said more love, more power, more of you in my life. I'm not going to sing. Um, uh, but what it does for me is, is it reminds me of the connection between love and power. And we talked about this morning earlier that Prayer is one of the most loving things we can do, and also that there's power in prayer. And I, I just want to remind us again that to walk in love requires the power of God. That there's a connection between love and power. Uh, the power of God is quite honestly necessary for everything that we do. Um, There's one school of thought. I'm just going to bring this up. Uh, There's one school of thought today in the church that kind of looks for power in sort of a certain dynamic. There's sort of this great outpouring that's going to happen, and people will fall down and shake, and it'll be an amazing event. And while I would not anyway say that that's not certainly one expression of power. What I would say is this, it's one expression of God's power. And and I believe that sometimes when we get locked into looking for one thing, and I've heard this, I actually have a a good friend who recently on social media made a comment that the church has forgotten about the power of God. And I thought, gosh, I don't know about that. I think that I see the power of God expressed fairly regularly in the life of the church. I think maybe you're looking for one thing, and I'm going to be honest, I think sometimes in a sort of a revivalist mentality, there's this idea that we have the big picture, but the truth is I believe they've boxed God in. And you're looking for this when God's doing this. And the power of God can be expressed every time that we interact with another person and every time we love somebody and care for somebody. I see the power of God manifest every Thursday afternoon when people come for food. I see the power of God manifest here weekly. I see the power of God manifest sometimes, not even when we're gathered, but when we're out in public and you talk to people and you pray for people or you just, you know, sometimes you smile and encourage somebody in a, in a little way. I think the power of God is evident in those things and we have to be conscious of that and, and, and see that. And, and let's not limit what God can do by saying, well, this is what the power of God looks like. If it doesn't look like this, then there's no power. 
I, I personally, I don't think I can get from here to there without it. I mean, I just, you know, if I'm on my own, I'd quit. Okay? I, 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 there's a lot. There's a lot of darkness in the world. And on our own, I believe we're pretty powerless to do anything about that. But with the presence of God in our lives, I think we have the opportunity to, to really make a difference. Last, uh, last little bit here, he says, he just describes that power. It's the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but in the one to come. Um, power of God is above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and name or title. Uh, that's a lot of things. He's over every... I believe that is in reference to both demonic and spiritual sort of realm as well as the earthly realm and the manifestation of isms and, and even structures and governmental structures and things in this, in this world that the power of God really does uh, is over all of those things and it's for us who believe. It's for us. You and I have the ability to tap into that power and make a difference in the life around us. So in conclusion, I'll just say this today. Um, Paul prays that the Ephesian church will know these things and that they'll be actualized in their life. And there's application of that for us as well. As God's church today, we too can have a deeper understanding, not only in our mind, but in our heart and our spirit, of what God is, who, who God has called us to be or who we are in Him and what He's called us to do. And with that, uh, as a local expression, as a community, as people of God here in, in this area today, we, we can express God's power. We can be messengers of hope. We can, we can share those things with people around us and walk into a different reality than we've known otherwise. So uh, with that in mind, let's, uh, let's stand.